fella, y'all. Okay, I'll reload it. Yo, check it out. Thanks again for checking out another edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. And again, you probably already know that by now. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. You can find the podcast just about anywhere for free. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, Overcast FM, Pocket Cast. Of course, we're on Facebook. Go to facebook.com backslash spell it out. T-W-E-L-V-E-K-Y-L-E. We're on Instagram uh, at 12 Kyle Podcast. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at 12 Kyle. And you can find me also at 12 Kyle Podcast. And coming soon, we will be on Google Play. So no reason not to subscribe. You can find me just about anywhere. All right. So here's what I want to talk about today. Going to do an artist feature. Um, got to thinking, man, about uh, one of my favorite labels of the 90s. Uh, and, and I started thinking about the rise and the fall of probably one of the most prominent rap labels in the game in the 90s in the early 2000s early to mid 2000s and that would be Rockefeller Records um Rockefeller obviously (laughs) unless you've been hiding under a rock uh was spearheaded by Jay-Z his partners uh Dame Dash and Kareem Biggs Burke um what's interesting about Rockefeller is that uh they when they initially set out for for all of the talent that Jay-Z has he couldn't get a record deal. I mean, it's it's kind of mind-boggling when you think about it. And if you, you know, for you real, real hardcore Jay-Z fans that remember his earlier stuff, he was rapping pretty fast. And, you know, he was in the video with Jazzo and Hawaiian Sophie. And, you know, he had to hit a single, I Can't Give With That. Um, you know, so he was, they were really shopping their deal. Um, and nobody wanted to sign him. They actually, you know, made a couple videos and, uh, they went through, I think it was Payday Records, um, and they ended up getting Rockefeller on with Priority. Um, but they had to basically start their own record label. And this was very, very new, especially in the 90s. Um, imagine going to, you know, Def Jam or, you know, any of the other major rap labels um, back then and trying to get a deal. And they say, well, no, (laughs) you're not good enough. You know, so that's mind boggling in and of itself. The fact that uh, that, you know, they could not get a record label. Um, I remember the first time that I heard Jay-Z, first time I heard Jay-Z and heard Rockefeller. It was actually um, it was the Dead Presidents. I think I want to say it was the B-side. And um he, he had the lyric in the song Dead Presidents. He said, partner, I'm still spending money from 88. And I was like, wait a minute, that's kind of clever. And so like for me, like I'm always big on lyrics and it's always every time, like the first time that I hear a song, I need to hear one or two lyrics that's going to hook me. But that little lyric right there hooked me. So I was like, who is this dude? So I'm watching the video. I never get I was watching the video and, um, you know, they seem kind of, you know, Jay-Z seemed kind of flashy or whatever in the video. And it, and the video didn't look like anything, um, you know, that we were kind of used to seeing. And um, 
you know, he's out there rhyming and he's got the backdrop of the World Trade Center in the background and and he's talking about hustling and I'm like, okay, this is different. <laughs> and keep in mind now, this was be like I should now for me, I saw this before uh the the smash ain't no <laughs> so um once ain't no dropped, I mean it was it was pretty much a rap. I mean that was a, a huge hit, obviously. Uh, ain't no <laughs> Uh, was a smash for Jay-Z, uh, obviously featured um, Foxy Brown. Um, personally, off the Reasonable Doubt album, that's like my least favorite track. I'll get into Reasonable Doubt in just a second, but um, that was really the start for me as far as like my introduction to Jay-Z and Rockefeller. The interesting thing that a lot of people don't know, I mean, Jay-Z fans know this, but the interesting thing about uh, the record label itself was that Reasonable Doubt, Jay-Z's first album was supposed to be his first and last album. Like he had no intentions on being the artist on the label. Um, He was the only artist at the time that they launched, but... You know, I don't know if he planned to just be an executive or what have you, or how he, what he planned to do. And then, you know, looking, looking, and listening at his story, I don't really know that. I mean, they had a plan, but they didn't have a plan. When I say they had a plan, I don't necessarily know if they had a plan for Jay Z. I know they had a plan as a label, but they didn't necessarily have a plan for Jay Z because he drops Reasonable Doubt in 1996. And, you know, the album is critically acclaimed. Um, Now, I'll be the first to admit when the first time I heard Reasonable Doubt, uh, I didn't particularly care for it. (laughs) It dropped uh, in 96. And I'm not going to get into Reasonable Doubt because there will be a Reasonable Doubt podcast. As you know, this year we're celebrating the 20 year anniversary of uh, some classic albums that dropped in 1996 and Reasonable Doubt is one of them. So uh, that podcast will be dropping in June to coincide with the 20 year anniversary of the podcast. Um, But nevertheless, I think, you know, it was uh, Reasonable Doubt. The first time I heard it, I didn't particularly care for it. And then I listened to it and then I just fell in love with the album. Um, But Reasonable Doubt really kind of took off and subsequently Jay-Z took off and the label grew. And what I want to talk about today on the podcast, just, you know, just give a little synopsis of some of the artists uh, that was on Rockefeller. Uh, We're going to talk about, you know, what went wrong. It was the rise and the fall of Rockefeller Records. Um, Also, I want to talk about some artists that either didn't get on the label that I thought should have been on the label. And some that were on the label that never dropped an album. <laughs> so, first artist I think uh, that you have to mention on the label is my man Memphis Bleak. Now, before you start laughing, <laughs> Memphis Bleak is obviously Jay-Z's homeboy. You know, the first time I heard him was on Reasonable Doubt. Uh, I believe it was Coming of Age. Um Bleak in the streets, I think, as far as hip hop fans, catches catches a lot of flack. Um, you know, there's the the Jay Z line where he said Bleak, you know, would be one, you know, he's one hit away or something like that. And that, you know, in the streets, that's kind of that phrase is kind of dog Bleak. Here's my take on Memphis Bleak. I think Memphis Bleak is decent. I think you know he's not he doesn't blow you away as far as his rhyming. Um, he dropped you know quite a few albums on Rockefeller. Um, 
he doesn't blow you away. But now I will say this much when you and I and I don't understand how it actually works. But for some reason, when you get bleak on a track with Jay, when you get him on a track track with Freeway, when you get him on a track with Beans, he does more than hold his own. In fact, when Bleak is on a track with someone else, I think he's solid. I think he's a solid MC. I mean, uh, he's no threat to Rock him or Kara's one. <laughs> but uh, I think he's solid, man. And and I think, uh, you know, he, he catches a lot of flack. And I don't think all of it is, you know, deserved. I think um, I think Bleak is decent, man. He's a decent, decent cat. He seems to be, you know, if, if, if for nothing else, Memphis Bleak is loyal. And Jay Z is extremely loyal to Bleak. Now, their loyalty has gone a long way. Uh, you know, wherever Jay is gone, Bleak is gone. Uh, I remember uh, a quote. Um, it was some years back, and I think this was when Jay Z and Beyonce really started dating pretty heavily. And there were some questions about, you know, Jay's, Jay's loyalty to Bleak or what have you. And a reporter asked Jay Z. Um, you know, if you had to choose between, and I don't know where, where this question came from, but I, I remember seeing it in print media. I think it was in the source. Uh, it said, if you had to choose between Beyonce or Memphis Bleak. Now, again, at the time, Beyonce was just his girlfriend and they weren't even acknowledging the fact that they were both dating each other. Um, they said, well, if you had to choose between Bleak and, and uh, Beyonce, who would you choose? And Jay said, well, I'm choosing Bleak every time. Yeah. Okay, Jay. <laughs> if you say so, Playboy. <laughs> Nevertheless, man, uh, Memphis Bleak, like I said, solid, solid cat on the roster. Solid cat on the roster. Um, one of the other artists that comes to mind when I think about Rockefeller, in fact, probably the second artist that comes to mind Every time I, I think about Rockefeller, is my second favorite artist on the uh, on the label behind Jay Z, and that's um, Beanie Siegel. Um, I was about to say Memphis Bleak. <laughs> Beanie Siegel, I, man, I love Beanie Siegel. Beanie Siegel's first album, The Truth, one of the most anticipated debut albums ever. Um, I love that album. I still play that album to this day. Not only did it live up to the hype, I think it exceeded it. I think um, Beans, man, it, it was something just about the way that he rhymes. Uh, really, really grimy, raw Philly type sound. And if you if you're a fan of hip hop, you know that Philly, you know, maybe not. They really don't get the recognition that they probably should as as you know as far as producing MCs. But Philly has had its imprint on hip hop all the way back from you know. Uh, P, uh, I, was, I was about to say PSK from Schoolie D to uh, Fresh Prince, Jazzy Jeff, even on forward. I mean, like the the list goes on and on as far as Philly acts to the Roots um, to obviously Eve, and then you know Rockefeller had their ties to Philadelphia through you know Beans, Freeway, uh, the Young Guns. So, man, I, I just I love Beans. I love listening to that cat, man. I mean, like he was just he was really, really the the, the street compliment to Jay-Z. Not to say that Jay-Z wasn't street, but he was where Jay-Z was, you know, kind of Jay-Z could have like a, 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 I don't know, like a party type song. Beans just had just that grimy, grimy sound. And but he, he could flow, man. He could flow. He could spit. He could rhyme. 
whatever. Any kind of track you wanted Beans to get on, he, he could ride. So I, I was I was, still am, huge fan of Beanie Siegel. Um, and what's interesting to me and a lot of people, and I, and I can't speak for everybody else, but like for me, the first time the first time that I heard Beanie Siegel actually wasn't on a Rockefeller record. The first time I heard him was on the record with the roots, Adrenaline. Yep, that's right, Adrenaline. Um, so yeah, man, it, it's crazy. I think, uh, you know, Beans was one of those guys that I think, I'm not sure why he never really blew. And I mean, don't get me wrong, he was a huge artist. But I think, like, commercially, he never really took off. And I mean, obviously, if you're familiar with his story, he had legal problems, in and out of jail, um, that type of stuff. But, man, those, in fact, his second album was dope, too. I, man, I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, Beanie Siegel. Anytime Beans dropped something, we were copping it. And I mean, like, anytime he was on a mixtape, we were copping it. Anytime he was freestyling, doing anything, we were copping it. So, um, definitely one of my other favorite artists at Rockefeller. Um, the next artist, uh, my man Freeway. Uh, the first time I heard Freeway was on One Nine Hundred Hustler, and uh, I never forget, man. He came in first things first. Watch it. <laughs> it was, but it was different, man, because he had this high nasally type pitch, but he could. He had bars, man. He had bars. And one of my favorite moments from Rockefeller, man, was um, when they took over Hot 97 in New York. And if you, anybody listening to this podcast, if you never heard that freestyle, I mean, like, they went they went on Funk Flex, the show it was Jay, Nah, not, I was about to say Nas, <laughs> damn, it was Jay, Beans, Freeway, uh, The Young Guns, uh, Oskino and Sparks. And they went on Funk Flex's show and they rhyme, man, for like, I want to say like an hour and a half straight. Some of it, it was called freestyling, but it, all of it wasn't freestyle. Some of, most of it was written, but still it was just the, the hung. And, Jay, and here's the thing, Jay-Z didn't even rhyme. Like he was just gassing them up. <laughs> but if you never heard that before, man, do yourself a favor. Go look online, go to YouTube. I'm pretty sure just put, you know, Rockefeller, Hot 97 Takeover crazy crazy when i say i mean like jay had to he had to stop him from rhyming even bleak was like killing it <laughs> so uh yeah but freeway man i love freeway his first album probably one of my favorites from him um that first album was tight man i, I think uh when you hear freeway rhyme you you hear philadelphia and you hear you know one of the things that I loved about listening to him is that, like, you could always hear the hunger in his voice. Like, he's like, like he was a dude that was like, he always sounded like he was rhyming, trying to get a deal. Like, he was trying, even though he had a deal, he was trying to get a deal. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Freeways as well. Uh, another artist on the label was your girl, Emil. Um, Emil. Uh, yeah. Emil. <laughs> Here's the thing about Emil. Um, I think Emil was probably she's probably a nice woman. Um, I, I really don't know what to say. I, I'm trying not to be negative. I, I was honestly, I okay. Let me just keep it 100. I wasn't impressed with Emil. 
<laughs> I just wasn't. I don't understand how or why she got on the label. And that's not to say that she was terrible. Um, but, uh, nah, just, I mean, she tried. I'll I give her, I give her, you know what? Props to Emil for trying. She tried. It's it just, I just, I wasn't like a fan and I'm, I'm not, you know, if somebody's whack, I'll tell them they're whack, you know, and I'm not saying that she was whack. I just, I wasn't, I just wasn't a fan. Let's just put it like that. I'm not hating anything like that. I just wasn't a fan of what she brought to the table for the label. Um, she did, by the way, have a song with uh, Beyonce, which was, which I didn't find out until about a year ago. Shout out to homie Eclectic who told me that. Um, did not know that. <laughs> and I'm pretty some pretty sure that some of you are listening like, huh, she did? Yeah, yeah, she had a song with Beyonce, which is kind of interesting because Obviously, when Emil came onto the label, there were rumors about the fact that she and Jay-Z were dating. Now, that was never confirmed. I don't know. Um, I wish her the best. <laughs> uh, another member of the Rockefeller family was my man, DJ Clue. Man, what would the 90s be without a guy like Clue? Screaming on your mixtapes. Uh, dropping and what was so dope about Clue, first first and foremost Clue came from the 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 mixtape era you know what I'm saying and what I mean by mixtape the the blend tapes he and and here's the thing about those mixtapes and blend tapes that Clue and those guys would make was that like it was really exclusive stuff it wasn't stuff off people's albums it wasn't you know remixes of the remixes it was genuinely like if you got a Jay Z verse on a Clue mixtape then it was a verse that you would never hear anywhere else. Um, love Clue, man. Just hearing him yell all over the tracks uh, was always funny. Always, anytime I hear DJ Clue's voice, it takes me back to you know the mid '90s when I was in college and listening to, the, uh, to uh, DJ Clue tapes. And so he was on the label as well. Um, and 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 I think you know Clue had a couple of albums. Of course, now he's not rapping or anything like that. But I mean, his compilation albums were good as well. And those nobody makes those kind of albums anymore. I thought that was very very a very slept on concept where you would have a guy like DJ Clue and he's producing these songs or he's you know doing a compilation basically, and the label is releasing it as a compilation CD. And it's featuring DJ Clue. It sounds like a mixtape. It looks like a mixtape, but it's an actual album. And um, Clue was, you know, he was ahead of the game on that. Uh, now, as the years passed, you know, the roster got a little bigger. Uh, they signed, you know, uh, Rockefeller signed, you know, a couple of artists, a couple more artists, I'm gonna name the, a few that I will name. Uh, obviously, I mentioned the Young Guns, uh, Young Cats out of Philly, Chris and uh, Neef. Man. Love those dudes, man. Love their, I, I love their energy, man. They, they always seemed really, really energetic when it came time to rhyme. Like they were just down for it. And I just, I remember the first time that I heard them was on that uh, Hot 97 takeover. And I was like, yo, these dudes gonna blow. And, you know, they never really got a chance to really, really shine like they probably should have, but I thought they were dope. Um, Cameron, another artist that came to Rockefeller. Uh, Cameron, obviously his ties with Big and um, and his ties with not Big, but Biggs, Kareem Biggs, Burke and Dame Dash because, uh, you know, they're from Harlem. They're all from Harlem. Um, 
I think Dame and Cameron's relationship, you know, was the reason why Cameron ended up on the label. Uh, but, you know, if you're a fan of Cameron's, then you know what he brings to the table as far as, you know, rhyming. And you know what he brings to the table as far as flamboyancy and what have you like that. Um, and then subsequently, when Cameron came, rest of the dip set, Joel Santana came. Uh, so that was interesting in and of itself because from the outside looking in, it looked like Cameron was coming in and Cameron didn't necessarily mesh with Jay-Z. He didn't necessarily have to, but he was Dame's man. So you know how it is. If your man's is cool, then you bring on your man's man's. <laughs> I know that doesn't make any sense, but it does. Um, nevertheless, man, so Cameron came. Uh, I'm cool on Cameron. I'm not like, you know, a huge, huge fan. I, I thought he was decent. Uh, you know, some people really, really love Cameron. I'm not one of them. I don't hate him. You know, I mean, if he's got a nice track, I, I might listen. I'm not just, you know, he, he never did anything that just kind of blew me away. But um, the first album for, that he dropped on the label was tight. Um, I think, I yeah, I did get that album. But, uh, you know, like I said, I think he ended up there pri primarily because of his relationship with Dame. If, you know, Cameron doesn't have, I think that, yeah, that was the Come Home With Me album. If, uh, if he doesn't have that relationship with Dame, then he probably never makes it to Rockefeller. Uh, Jadakiss actually dropped an album on Rockefeller right towards the end of the label, uh, The Last Kiss. Um, that was interesting in and of itself because, you know, having Jadakiss on the label definitely solidifies, you know, the label, definitely solidifies J uh, Jadakiss. Not that he needed to be solidified because you already knew what he did when he was on Bad Boy, but, um, it, that was something I think was just one step. The label was going through a lot of trans transition at the time. Um, so, you know, it didn't really pop like the way that it should have. And last but not least, as far as, you know, artists that were on the label, um, guy out of Chicago, producer, rapper, kid by the name of Kanye West. Um, what can I say, man? Kanye is probably, uh, as far as, probably say for me Kanye was probably third on the label not as far as talent but as far as like if I had to rank them as far as just lyrical how I liked them at the time but producing wise Kanye was incredible uh, his sample his sped up samples that he used uh, early on um, he really blessed Jay-Z and not just Jay-Z but the whole record label uh, with some crazy beats uh, and then I think people really were surprised because they initially signed Kanye because of his beat making ability. They had no idea that he could rhyme. And he drops college dropout. The rest is history, man. I mean, that by far is one of the best albums to ever come out on Rockefeller. Um, and you could make a case that it's right up there, probably in the top five, top three. Um, as far as albums to come out on Rockefeller, and, and that includes Jay Z's uh, uh, releases on Rockefeller. Um, love Kanye, man. Still love Kanye. Uh, I'm not as big a fan of Kanye now as I used to be, but the the, the Rockefeller Kanye, man, he was cold. He was, and, and it's not to say that Kanye's not cold now. Kanye's just different now. I mean, like he's doing different things. You know, his music I don't think is as put together as it was before. Um, 
he's gotten better. Uh, he, and he's a much bigger star. I mean, you can make a case that he's just as big a star, you know, globally as, well, I don't know if he's just as, well, he, he may be just as big as, he may be bigger than Jay-Z. It depends on who you ask. Um, but he's still making music. So, you know, and I think at the end of the day, Kanye enjoys making music. And I think as long as he enjoys making music, I think people still will get something from it. Uh, personally, you know, I can't really get into what he's doing right now. I, I listen to the life of Pablo. So, yeah, okay. You know, it's okay. <laughs> Didn't blow me away. It's okay. But, um, but nonetheless, man, Kanye on Rockefeller was uh, incredible. Incredible. And again, that was another find that you know that they weren't necessarily anticipating that they got and you know he was a he was a gem he was a gem for the label um so now you ask that was the rise what happened to the fall what happened to rockefeller records tell you what let's take a quick commercial break we'll come right back and i'll tell you what happened i don't i don't know if that's right i mean i mean i i know that that you grew up in a district where where drug dealing was quite normal yeah. And you became a drug dealer yourself. Yeah. Very young. Yeah. I grew up in the, uh, around the 80s, right? Around in Marcy Projects in Brooklyn, which is a really tough neighborhood. And that was like, for the first time, we had the whole neighborhood got hit with a big crack ep- epidemic. No one had never seen anything like this. And so I, I grew up in the middle of a time where there were young guys, 15, 16 years old, with... Uh, Uzi machine guns in, in the project. So imagine this, like normal day, kids outside playing double dutch and ice cream truck going by and then guys come running by shooting. Like that would happen in my projects, you know. So, you know, it forces you to grow up really fast. And kind of, it's kind of sad because it robs you of your innocence, you know, as a kid. A child should be able to just can you, can not you see remember, these type of things. Can you remember your first, first drug deal? My first drug deal, mm-hmm. like my first transaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> it was a long time ago. But, but Not on TV, I'll tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> and just like that, we're back. Uh, at the top, I mentioned The Rise. Talked about some of the artists on Rockefeller. Um, I mean, not only were they making multi-million dollar albums, they had all of these tours and everything. I mean, like the wave of success was riding high and Jay-Z was on it. Uh, They also had Rockefeller Films, which produced movies like Streets is Watching in 1998, uh, Backstage, State Property, Paid in Full, uh, Paper Soldiers, which I thought was awful. (laughs) Death of a Dynasty, Jay-Z's movie Fade to Black which, you know, kind of premiered his retirement, um, State Property 2, just to name a few. So, I mean, like, everything was going so well, and then things weren't going so well. Um, Now, here's the thing. If you want to know who people blame, it really just depends on who you ask when you ask about the the fall of Rockefeller. Some people are going to say Jay-Z. Some people will say Dame. I think it's a little bit of both, um, you know, depending on who you ask. Uh, Jay-Z in the mid 90s, excuse me, the mid 2000s, uh, he, he became less and less 
you know, on the scene as far as uh, Rockefeller was concerned. Everybody knew that Dame handled the business side of it. Not not to say that Jay Z wasn't a businessman, but but you know, Dame was the he was that you know that 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 pit bull for the label, and you know, subsequently he did some things. Uh, he signed some artists, like I said, like I mentioned, Cameron, uh, ODB, just to name a few, and. I'm not I, I'm not really here to say that <laughs> those signings were against, you know, Jay's wishes. But I think the proverbial straw broke the camel's back when Jay-Z allegedly was out of town. I think he was like in San Tropez or something like that. And Dame Dash was on the radio in New York City saying that he was naming Cameron the president of Rockefeller. Now, at the time, Jay-Z was sort of transitioning into the vacant spot uh, of president at Def Jam. Def Jam uh, had the joint venture with Rockefeller. So, you know, Rockefeller was its own label, but they had a joint, a 50-50 joint venture with Def Jam. Um, subsequently, I think that move of Dame even mentioning Cameron being the president of Rockefeller uh, I think that rubbed Jay the wrong way. Now, you know, to this day and to their credit, they really have not aired out what really, really happened. Uh, Jay's given his side. Dame's given his side. And I think if you listen to both of them talk, you have to kind of figure out who do you want to believe, uh, because the truth is somewhere in the middle. Uh, nonetheless, um, I'm pretty sure Jay was like, nah, man, you're not going to name him the, the president. Not when Bleak has been here all these years. <laughs> we got to give Bleak a job. Uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, basically, they fell out and, and, you know, they tried to keep things on a business tip and they tried to keep the friendship going. And it just to me on the outside looking in as a fan, it looked like they were going in two different directions. Uh, ultimately, Jay-Z took the president's job at Def Jam. And ended up buying out Biggs and Dame Dash. So not only was he over uh, Def Jam, but at that point, he actually owned Rockefeller. And he, Jay-Z mentioned in articles that he said, and, and here's a quote. So I was like, let me get reasonable doubt. I'll give up the rest of my masters. I'll give up Rockefeller Records. I'll give up my president and CEO of Def Jam Recordings. Everything. Just give me my baby to hold on to so 10 years down the line, I can look back and I got something. I'm not empty handed. And I was the one being offered everything and I thought that was more than fair. And when that was turned down, I had to make a choice. I'll leave that for people to say what choice they would have made. That's about it. I don't really want to talk about Dame or Biggs. I don't have nothing negative to say about them. Close quote. I'm not buying that. <laughs> I think that, like I said, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Now, Dame Dash went on to the to the left and he started the Dame Dash music group. Uh, and subsequently, as I mentioned earlier, what happened was when when Jay and Dame split, their roster was split as well. So artists had to figure out, am I going to roll with Jay? Am I going to roll with Dame? You know, some were contractually still bound to, you know, Rockefeller. So they had to make a choice. Um, I think the guy that really got caught, the, the biggest artist that got caught in a crossfire was Kanye. Kanye, I think Kanye deep down wanted to roll with Dane. But 
<laughs> Kanye's not crazy. He knew where Def Jam was going. He knew where, you know, Rockefeller was going with under Jay-Z's leadership. So he rolled with Jay. You know, same for Beans. Beans was, you know, his legal problems were, were really, really mounting. So he was stuck. Freeway was stuck. And it's almost like everybody on the label was, well, we knew Bleak was going with Jay. <laughs> I mean, like, that was a given, right? So it, it, it just, it went south. And it seemed like it went south really, really fast. And Jay-Z ultimately, you know, took control of, of Def Jam and subsequently a few years later ended up leaving Def Jam. So, you know, and he, you know, went on to start his own little thing. So, you know, Rockefeller Records is no more. And it's, as a fan, it's sad. Um, and then more importantly to me, I think, you know, they lost a friendship. I, I And to, to their credit, they don't, ba at least I haven't heard them bash each other publicly. And this has been, you know, almost 10 years now that they've gone their separate ways. Um, so I, I give Jay and Dame both credit for that. They haven't let whatever ill will that they may have towards each other spill into magazines or radios for ratings or anything like that. It's unfortunate. I think uh, one of the other things that was really, really sad about the label was that there were some artists that I think that should have been on the label and there was a few that were on the label that never got an album to drop. First artist that come to mind that that never met, that was not on the label was Foxy, Foxy Brown. To this day, I still don't understand why Foxy never was signed to Rockefeller. Now she was subsequently signed to Def Jam and she released her album under the Def Jam umbrella. But she was and so, and so she worked with Jay Z obviously, and she'd been working with Jay Z since she was like 15, 16 years old, and they have a friendship or relationship or situation shit i don't know what you want to call it <laughs> but they you know they they are cool and or at least they were cool i don't i don't know how cool they are now but i'm assuming that they're still cool so you know anyway um yeah so it's like i think foxy would have been perfect for rockefeller so it's like you know you don't sign foxy but you sign emil yeah okay all right. <laughs> if you say so, I that's mind boggling to me. I mean, I think Foxy would have been perfect for the label. Uh, nonetheless, Emil was signed and, you know, the rest is history. Um, so I never really understood that. Never understood why Sauce Money never made it to the label. Sauce Money obviously appeared on Reasonable Doubt. Uh, he did production. I think he helped with production on Jay-Z's second album, Volume 1. Um, good friend of jay-z's i don't know why he never made the label or never signed with the label um i don't even know what sauce money's doing right now um but i hope he's doing well so you know those, those are kind of disappointing one one artist in particular that stands out to me that was on the label and never had an album drop the mash out posse that's right m.o.p man i love m.o.p and M.O.P. signs to Rockefeller and they never drop an album on Rockefeller. I don't understand why. And I, well, I understand why. I mean, like they got, you know, when they signed with Rockefeller, that's when this whole split thing was happening. So, you know, they never got a chance to really, really shine. And I think, I mean, now, to be honest, <laughs> M.O.P. is really too hardcore for commercial, you know, the commercial and the poppy songs and stuff like that. I mean, like the biggest song is Annie Up. 
and that's about jacking people. <laughs> so, I mean, so you take it for what it's worth. But I love MOP, man. I love their style. I love that that, that sound. I love the way they get down. Um, but they just never made it, never made it, made it, never made a record on Rockefeller. Um, would it have helped Rockefeller? Probably not. But I think it would have helped their careers. Um, so it just never happened. And that's unfortunate. Uh, I would have liked to have seen, you know, more albums from Jadakiss. But again, he got caught in the mix. He got caught in the mix. And, you know, what could he do? Um, so, yeah, those are a couple of artists, man. I think that, you know, I would have really loved to have seen them uh, shine together. I would have loved to have seen Rockefeller, you know, ride this thing out. Um, and there's no knock on what Jay-Z has done, you know, with Tidal and all of these other things that he's done. Uh, but it's, you know, as a fan, it's a little bittersweet to look at a Rockefeller, you know, or to look at Jay-Z and see him, you know, with Beyonce and Little Blue Ivy. <laughs> and, you know, you just for so many years, man, all we saw was Dane. You know, like we don't even see Bleak anymore. <laughs> but um, I mean, you know, I guess you, you know, you get married, you have a kid. I guess you got to move on. I don't know. But uh, it seemed to me like just like I said, from the outside looking in. Jay-Z and Dame Dash had more than just a business relationship. They seem to be boys. And, you know, Jay-Z is the godfather of Dame's son. So, you know, I don't think when you name somebody your godfather, I don't think, you know, you... I mean, I think those are important people in your life. And it's unfortunate that Rockefeller, you know, rose to the top and fell. I mean, crashed and burned in the worst way. Uh what will become of the people who are on this label well i mean you can see for yourself i mean of all the people that i've named who's popping right now not a lot uh safe to say kanye's probably the biggest rockefeller uh i don't want to say i don't want to call him a reject but you know biggest person from the label right now and he's doing well you know musically and you know celebrity wise so uh Again, as a fan, it's a little bittersweet. I can't lie. I wanted to see Rockefeller take it all away. Um, but nonetheless, they made some great music. And I think that in and of itself, at the worst case, is something that we all can celebrate. That's going to do it for me. Thanks again for checking out another edition of the 12 Kyle Podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. I'll holler at you next time. 5,000.